Thanks for joining us today. I am uh, John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association. And with next week being the construction opioid, so I'm going to go ahead and mute this person. Okay. Uh, as I was saying, with next week being the construction opioid awareness week, uh, we wanted to do a sort of discussion and get some get some real experts and some knowledgeable knowledgeable people to kind of share their insights and um, just talk about what else employers can do to help the construction workforce. And so, yeah, we thought we'd do the call ahead of time. So, you know, today's Thursday, the, the week kicks off Monday. And the part that I'm really excited about and think it's really cool if it works, you know, technology doesn't always work, but uh, what the plan today is to break it into a format where first we're gonna hear from the panelists, kind of hear their thoughts, uh, just a brief little intro comment and then kind of discuss uh, vital and important resources. I'll, I'll kind of lean on Rachel there from the National Safety Council to just discuss uh, resources for employers that they can use you know, to, to work with their uh, workforce and their workers. And then the part that's really cool, each of the panelists are gonna provide a toolbox talk on a opioid topic of their choice. And like I said, we're recording this session and so hopefully it all works out but starting monday we're going to get those links out to everyone so any employers on the line or any workers on the line you can you can send this around to the job site to the workers and send them a link to you know carl don or rachel's toolbox talk and and hopefully they listen to it there will be nothing too much you know five minutes ten minutes maybe 15 minutes but something that, you know, the workforce could listen to to, you know, start the day and maybe share with their families. And maybe we could, you know, start to make a difference in this area. I, I think concerning opioids, I think we were trending in the right direction. 2017, 2018, you know, the numbers were up there. And I think 18, we were trending down, going down, and, and the numbers and stats were kind of reflecting that. And there was a ton of outreach and a lot of, uh, good stuff happening in the industry as far as employers get more involved in helping out with their workers and then and then COVID hit and uh, that's a challenge we didn't really need when we're already facing this opioid epidemic and you have the shutter and home uh, mandates and that's that's not really good for the for the addict and the people the recovering people so we had some major issues there. Um, I read an article today, and I hope I don't steal anyone's thunder from the panelists. But I saw research by, well, who's this done here? By the Wellbeing Trust and the Robert Graham Center for Policy Studies in Family Medicine. And they said, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, this may lead to as many as 75,000 deaths, you know, because of everything that's, that's been happening this spring and summer. And uh, so it's it's a serious topic and something that I'm glad the, the KCA and some of the other groups and some of the other construction employer groups on the on the call here today. I'm I'm glad we're all taking it serious and doing what we can to uh, help in this area. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm not the expert. I'm gonna introduce our experts now here. 
So, so joining us today, we have uh, Rachel Cooper from the National Safety Council. Hello, Rachel. And then we have Cara Hyland from the American Contractors Insurance Group. And as I mentioned, he might be a couple minutes late here. And then Don Tracy from Quandle. He's Director of Safety for Quandle Enterprises. Um, so those are, are three uh, uh, safety professionals and experts in this field. And, and I'm uh, excited to hear from them. So I don't know if, do you have any opening comments, Rachel or Carl, if you're there, or Don? Well, this is Don, and uh, I definitely wouldn't call myself an expert. You know, I had a uh, professor in college that said, if you call yourself an expert, you got to remember that X is a has-been and a spurt is a uh, drip under pressure. So if you're an expert, then you're uh, uh, a drip under pressure. So, you know, <laughs> a has-been drip under pressure. How about we so call you? Definitely not <laughs> Sorry, Don. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I have read quite a bit about opioids, is for sure. Uh, probably more than I wanted to know. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us today, Don. Uh, Rachel? Sure. Um, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Rachel Cooper from the National Safety Council, and my primary areas of work um, all center around uh, opioids, and then these days, mental health, as one can imagine, with the COVID-19 pandemic and how that all intersects. Um, my background is in direct service, so I did a lot of work with people who have an opioid use disorder, both abroad and at home, and I'm in Wisconsin, actually, so I did a lot of work in Milwaukee County um, doing that kind of linkage to care, et cetera, so that's that's kind of my background, and um, I'm appreciate you setting this up, John. I think it's a really timely thing, especially the data that came out just last week, again, with the most recent um, rise in drug overdose deaths across the country, um, not only from opioids, but from other substances as well. So I think that there's a lot of lessons that we can take from this that we can apply um, pan-substance, as it were. So thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. And just, just a brief little background before we jump to Carl. Um, I came on board at the Keystone Contractors in fall of 2016, and working with the board of directors like Howard Bernstein, Howard's on the call here, Working with the board, you know, I thought, well, let's put together a little strategic plan, see what our strengths are, our weaknesses, all that fun stuff, you know. And, and even though I grew up in Mechanicsburg, Central PA, I still felt like an outsider spending 20-some years in Pittsburgh. So I really wanted to learn the area and learn the different regions of KCA. And I don't know if I lived a sheltered life in Pittsburgh or what, but I was just in total awe of the devastation that opioid and drug addiction and pain med abuse was having in areas like Johnstown, uh, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. So, uh, you know, kudos to the KCA leadership. They said, we really need to do something in this area and, and help out. And we weren't, we weren't really quite sure what to do, you know, like how can we help, what can we do? And that's, I got connected to Rachel Cooper and friends of mine, I believe Carl Heinlein and another person, Bob McCall from my, my former employer. Bob and Carl said, you know, you should start with the National Safety Council and see what see what Rachel and her team can do to help out in this area. And we've started with National Safety Council and we never left them and it's a great partnership and the resources are amazing. And I'm going to make sure to get a lot of links out there today just to help everyone on the call here. 
But I just wanted to throw that out there and thank Rachel for all your support the last four years. It's been awesome. But yes, speaking of uh, the great resources and all the good stuff that National Safety Council does for for not just our industry, but for you know every industry in, in Pennsylvania and all the great work they do helping employers. I don't know if you want to touch on a few things and talk about some of the resources that are available. Sure. Rachel. Yeah, I can do that. Um, and then Carl, whenever you hop on and figure it out, just just you know say something, and I'll I can pause what I'm talking about and throw it over to you for a quick intro. Yeah. So historically, National Safety Council obviously is shockingly a safety organization, and we have a, a large workplace audience. And and how that's manifested over the past six, seven, eight years, as far as opioids go, is that we always follow the data, and we talk about causes of preventable death. And obviously both opioid overdose and other forms of drug overdose are preventable. And how do we get to that point where we can help prevent them? So we focus a lot on prevention historically, but we also recognize of course that especially when it comes to the workplace that we have to have we have to help facilitate access to treatment. We have to support recovery. We have to understand what this actually looks like. So we we have a wide variety of resources available in a, in a couple different ways. So for those of you on the call who aren't familiar with our materials, and I'll send all of these links to John so that he can ping it out in in an email to follow up because there's a lot of links and whatnot. Um, we one of the things that we learned is that employers oftentimes just find it easier to either like ignore the problem or to to just to terminate the employee, which just sometimes it feels like the easier thing to do in the moment. So we had to really delve in and learn a little bit more about what the actual costs of substance use are to an organization. And then of course, on the flip side, how much you can eventually save and what the benefits are of supporting employees through treatment and recovery so that you have an employee living in recovery who actually, for the record, takes less sick time, incurs fewer medical costs, et cetera, than the general public does in and of themselves. So there's certainly a benefit there, although it can feel like something that can be um, an intimidating thing to do, supporting somebody through treatment and recovery when we don't always necessarily know A, exactly what that means, or B, exactly how that's gonna go. So we really start with, let's learn about what's happening in your industry, in your state. You know, so if you're me and I work at the National Safety Council and we're headquartered in Illinois, then I throw my information into the cost calculator and it tells me, you know, what kind of costs are being incurred and then how much money I can actually save in the long term by supporting employees through recovery. So we like to really start there with with employers to really make sure that we can kind of talk about, you know, this, this is worth it financially. Oftentimes we all care about our employees, but sometimes when we don't know what to do, it's just a barrier. So we start here understanding that, you know, the things that we do can make a difference. And then we have our opioids at work, um, employer toolkit which is directed at several different audiences because there's a lot of different audiences that exist in the workplace right we have leadership and leadership certainly has to buy in to create a culture of safety and a culture where people can feel safe we have our supervisors and especially for those of work who who work for larger organizations, supervisors are often the door to the rest of the organization for an employee. That relationship is really, really important to have a team leader, a supervisor who you can trust, who really kind of defines this for you as, especially if you're somebody who's got some personal stuff going on, this is who you're going to end up going to. You're not, HR is always an option, of course, but people 
don't always want to go to HR. They don't necessarily trust it. And that's the next audience that's really critical is, you know, the human resources professionals at any given organization or in any given in group of people, because they're the ones that create the policies. There's the ones that talk about, you know, these are what our benefits are going to cover. They're the ones that talk about flex time and sick time and set the tone for what's permissible in terms of taking, you know, maybe you want to go to a support group, but it happens to be that, the, the one that's best for you is a Wednesday at three o'clock. Do you have to take sick time for that or can you work it out? And your HR director and your HR staff really sets the tone for those. So we obviously have to make sure that HR is engaged. And then, and then lastly, I mean, we can't do any of this without employee buy-in. And employee buy-in is as important as anything else. So education and awareness. And oftentimes when we work or live in hard hit industries, um, we hear about you know, opioids, we hear about drug overdose, um, but it's sometimes hard to separate fact from fiction a little bit. What is my actual risk? What can I actually do? So a lot of education and awareness building, and that's what we're doing this week right now here with John. It's, it's an awareness building exercise. And giving employees the tools to ask doctors questions and to, to talk to an EAP if they need to, and to really help give them the support that they need, even if they're never going to tell you necessarily that, hey, by the way, I called the EAP. Hey, by the way, I did this thing that you, you know, you put in the, the onboarding packet. They're not, you might not ever know that, but really just providing people easy to access materials and support can change, you know, one person's life, which changes their entire life for them, right? So we really know that, you know, this is, this is how we really have thought about it. And then you know, the, the last two things are that one is that we hope that employees are able to take some of this information back home to their family. So, you know, if you can learn a little bit of something about your community, about resources available, about obey the way this medication actually is an opioid, oh, this is how we should dispose of these things, this information trickles down into the community. And that's a really helpful thing because employees are a huge audience, but of course, we can't reach everybody. So we really trust that, you know, good education materials and good lessons learned can really trickle down. And then last but not least, of course, um, you know, the, the NSC Safer Initiative, which all has to do with safe employee return to the workplace. And that's all about COVID, how people get back to the workplace safely. We do have some, some very targeted materials. And again, I'll send all of these links out to John because otherwise I'm just going to be spitting links at you. Um, on our website that are specific to opioids and COVID. And I know that many of your employees may have not been working from home, but it's certainly possible that maybe their spouses or other adult family members may have been working from home. And that does change risk in terms of opioids, in terms of safely disposing of medications. Social isolation certainly plays a really strong role in the potential for relapse or in lapses in treatment, depending on what kind of treatment um, a person was on. It's certainly, you know, we know that telehealth calls and mental health calls have skyrocketed by a thousand percent, which means that the medical facilities and the medical personnel themselves are overwhelmed and not able to get to things in a timely manner. So there's a lot of tips that we have as well for not only self-care, but also what employers can do in this part that it's very timely. So right now, not as opposed to like the long-term change that we eventually want to see, but in this particular time, what's the stuff that we want to see right now? So I can certainly go over that, um, you know, in more detail if you want me to. Otherwise, I can make sure that John sends that out to you. And then, of course, you are all more than welcome to email or call me at any given time and I can step in and do what I can do. So that's well, well, thank you, everybody, for the opportunity to share. This is uh, 
this is uh, personally has hit my my family, and uh, I appreciate working with John and the National Safety Council. We're fortunate in Pennsylvania to have these two partnering together because uh, I truly believe we're we're leading uh, the nation in a number of areas addressing opioids, mental wellness, and a number of these things. And some of these uh, mental wellness, drug and alcohol, opioid, it kind of intertwines. So, you know, I work for a captive insurance company, contractors around the country, and three of them domiciled in the state of Pennsylvania and a number of the other ones that do work in the Commonwealth. So uh, this is very important to me. And I, I'll share some of the things that we've learned I was on a town hall meeting with a couple of our contractors today and asked them specifically what they've been doing uh, under the circumstances of pandemic. So I'll be glad to share that when it's my opportunity. Thank you, John. Okay, yeah. And then we kind of were touching on uh, good resources for employers and Rachel talked about a lot of a lot of the great stuff that National Safety Council has to offer. I don't know in the numerous groups that you belong to, Howard or uh, Carl, if you have any Thing you'd like to touch on or talk about any groups or any resources out there that we should be made aware of? Absolutely. I think that there's a couple that, um, you know, you could take a look at your associations around the Commonwealth. Uh, I think that depending on uh, what, uh, if you're an open shop contractor or a signatory contractor with the trades, I know that uh, a number of the labor uh, unions across the state of Pennsylvania have developed some great uh, programs uh, dealing not only with drug and alcohol related issues, but opioid uh, specific information. When you take a look around the state also, uh, you can take a look at the Associated General Contractors of America, NUCA, they've developed some programs and procedures, again, specifically to address uh, opioids. And then as always, uh, I would advise any organization to work with their healthcare provider and their employee assistance programs to a find out if they do have some information addressing that and then b what are the options or opportunities for each one of these organizations to help education resource wise come and talk to your employees things of that nature because what happens is you know we have a lot of these resources but we sometimes just don't know how to properly use them so again you know if you're a signatory contractor your, your uh, labor unions and organizations have some, some stuff specific to opioids. Uh, take a look at your construction trade associations. And John being one of the, truly one of the leaders in the state of Pennsylvania, driving the opioid uh, conversation through uh, AGC, KCA, NUCA, maybe even the you know, street and road contractors as well. Contractors Association of Western Pennsylvania is one that I work with as well. And then also, Healthcare provider and your employee assistant program. Do not uh, uh, overlook those as an opportunity, but please work with your teams. It may be a safety HR operational uh, team that does the effort to find out truly what they have to offer for not only yourselves, but your employees and their families. So hopefully that helped, John. Yeah, perfect. That was great. I'm glad you brought up the, the unions too. That's an area. Over the past four years, I've seen a lot of growth with their onboarding when they get new apprentices. They've really expanded the, the drug information, the drug-free uh, discussion portion of the onboarding. So that's good to see as people enter the industry. 